1: is no credentials required covering sports around the mighty 518 part of the belly up sports podcast network in association with godzilla media here is your host ryan mccarthy
0: hello everyone and welcome to no credentials required we are brought to you by belly up sports in association with godzilla media before we get into today's episode just want to remind you about our social media channels, which are right down here below on Twitter and Instagram. It's at BellyUpNCR, facebook.com forward slash belly sports on YouTube. Just search no credentials required. And speaking of YouTube and the podcast itself, just want to remind you to like share and subscribe on YouTube. Also hit the notification bell. That way you know when new clips and new episodes come out, uh, whether it be the live show or whether it be the podcast form. And also I just want to remind you to also subscribe on any podcast form, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube PodChaser, and Google Podcasts, and also ask you to kindly leave a review. That way, we, we get noticed in the podcast world, and we get more uh, we get more notice. One more thing to remind you about our hashtags, which you always find us on social media hashtag mighty five one eight and hashtag local sports matter. We're trying to build the local sports movement, so it's going to start here in Albany. And speaking of which, I'm going to bring in my guest for this week. Is my friend, George Manius. Uh, so you may know, remember from the uh, Albany Empire days, George was president of the Albany Empire. And now he serves as the president of the Albany Firewolves National Lacrosse Team, which will debut in December. George, how are we doing today?
2: Doing great, Ryan. How are you?
0: I'm doing excellent. I'm happy to have you on. Talk some uh, Firewolves and also talk about uh, the sports management industry, too.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the platform and uh, always uh fun to talk about kind of uh the 518 and just how it's transitioned over the years with so many different sports teams and you know people are still giving it a shot and I think there's a real reason why.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. So, you're originally from oh, are you are you originally from the 518 area?
2: Yeah, so I actually grew up in Catskill, so technically the uh, it's the 518 area. You know, it's it's part of the capital region and um, grew up in Catskill, went to Catskill High School. My claim to fame all my life was I went to high school and graduated. I actually graduated, uh, but I went <laughs> to high school with Mike Tyson back in the day. So uh, yeah. some fun times back then.
0: So growing up in, in, the, in around the five when I area, did you actually get a chance to go to any local sports games? Uh, were there yeah. any teams around while you were in high school or college?
2: Yeah, you know, um, so Catskill, small town, right? So it's, you know, roughly 35 miles outside of Albany uh, or so. So there wasn't a whole lot going on in Catskill specifically. So mm. for our entertainment needs, um, you know, you definitely had to travel. And, you know, for the major league level, we've done, I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, so I'd go down to the city and, and go to Yankee games and 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 Met games as well and football games. But, you know, for your local um you know sports fix and and entertainment albany was the place to go um so many many occasions we came up to the capital regions for a lot of you know entertainment side you know concerts and you know going to saratoga and Spac. um but man when i started coming out to which is now the times union center it was knickerbacker arena back then it's then pepsi center um but yeah a ton of sports games a lot of hockey um and and really you know uh, the empire state games Uh, So we'd come up and and kind of do it a lot of baseball, too, you know, so um, which, you know, back then I wasn't in the sports business. I was just a a kid playing sports and a huge sports fan. Um, So I gravitated towards all that. And, you know, it really kind of helped me determine kind of in my life where I wanted to go uh, when I realized that there was business of the sports so on the sports side there's business uh where you can when you're done playing and you got to hang them up <laughs> you know you need to come out there this was uh not a bad place to kind of think about a, a career
0: yeah so let's let's dig into that just a little bit here so where, where are some of the places we'll, we'll get into the uh to your time with the albany empire in just a moment but where are some of the other places you you've been in how do you get into sports management what did you do what kind of what kind of career path did you go on? How did you uh, go along that path and choose sports sports management as a career?
2: Yeah, you know it, it's it's funny because I, it's not the traditional path. I mean, right now, um, where you know there are sports marketing programs, sports management programs, um, you know, uh, journalism programs like at Syracuse. I mean, they're they're popular. They're everywhere. Probably the majority of the schools actually have them as majors because it's such a popular thing to do now. Um, based on the direction of, you know, kind of how sports has morphed over the years with big contracts and, you know, having to sell, um, you know, a lot of luxury suites and corporate suites and things like that uh, to support the teams. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. I I didn't even know there was a business, you know, I kid about it. But I didn't know there was the business side of sports. I I kind of, in a way, stumbled into it. So I grew up in Catskill, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned. Um, You know, my, my dad was a chef. Uh, growing up, and um, I didn't know any better, so I worked for him, uh, and I went ended up going to SUNY Delhi uh, for two years, and went into the restaurant management program there. Uh, played baseball, so uh, sports is part of my DNA. Uh, you know, big 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 time sports fan and player, and uh, you know baseball and hockey were my sports growing up. Uh, actually yeah, played I Actually, hockey own water of elite as well.
0: I do have one question though. For yeah. those of you, for anybody who's uninitiated with uh, New York State where exactly is suny delhi
2: (laughs) it's pretty it's like catskill It's it's literally like two and a half hours uh west of catskill um so it's in the middle of nowhere um, and it, you know, basically it was like the tech school, right? So hotel restaurant management and playing baseball. Like that's what I went to school for. <laughs> Technically I think I went to school for playing baseball, um, which, which, which was fun. Um, but I, like I said, I didn't know any better and I just went into the business that my family was in. I'm Greek. So the restaurant business is part of, you know, part of you as well. Um, so I ended up going to school. I, I ended up going to the two years, played baseball, I walked on, I got a, I ended up going to um, UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, um, wow. after Delhi, and continued my uh, education in, in sport and restaurant, I'm sorry, in hotel and restaurant management. And I played, uh, I was on the baseball team there, walked on, uh, never got any playing time or anything, twisted my knee and uh, ankle and just had to hang it up. So I went to the real world after I graduated and got into the restaurant business and basically was in the restaurant business for a good, you know, eight years or so um, thinking that was my career. And then as I, as I got older and had a family, I realized the restaurant business is not exactly ideal for the family, right? So when everyone else is partying and going to a restaurant and going to hotels, you're working, you know, they're vacationing, you're working. And, you know, with a family, it's tough. And I realized it was a good time for me to kind of look at my career path and say, what is it really you want to do? What do you and the best advice I ever got was from my dad who said, you know, it's not work if you're passionate about what you do. Um, So what are you passionate about and figure it out? And it, it all always boiled down to sports. I was passionate about sports, um, but I still didn't have the opportunity. I don't know how to get into sports. So I, I yep. decided to leave the restaurant business and go into sales. Everyone kind of talked me into sales and said, hey, listen, you can sell ice to an Eskimo, or you're, you know, you're a talker. Good <laughs> out there, you got good relationships. So I ended up going kind of morphing into the restaurant sales business with a company called Cisco Food Service, uh, yep. who basically sells food and, and equipment and things like that to restaurants. So it was an easy transition, and I, I picked up sales uh, very, very quickly, loved sales. And uh, I was traveling around, I was in St. Louis, Missouri at the time, and um, basically the way that i ended up getting into the sports was just kind of the luck of the draw going into that path and then one of my clients was the food and beverage manager of the riverboat casinos in st louis missouri he was basically the guy i sold to who bought all the food and beverage for me when i was with the you know selling cisco food services that guy became kind of like a really good friend like almost like my dad um you know like he's a really good guy really good friend we bonded and he ended up going in becoming I don't know how, but he ended up becoming the commissioner of the United Hockey League, which is a very, yeah. very minor league level hockey yep. league. Under you know, I mean as low almost as low as you can get. I, um, I
0: remember the United I, Hockey League. Yeah, we, we, had te- we had a couple of teams play up in Glen's Falls. Absolutely. Barry <laughs> Melrose and uh, Steve Levy
2: on yep, those Steve teams. Levy, yep, yeah, on the frostbite. Yeah. Good stuff, man. So that's that's like hockey. The two fans fights, you know, it's great. So he yeah. becomes the commissioner of that league. And he knew my passion for sports and selling. And he said, "Listen, here's an opportunity. Go look at this." He had it in Saginaw, Michigan. I was basically started on as a sponsorship sales guy. He got me an interview. Sp- started on as a sponsorship sales guy for a hockey team in Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, they were started in the United Hockey League. Ended up becoming going into the IHLs, the Saginaw Gears, um, and, and it was you know pretty it was my, my entree into sports. And I just, from that point, I ended up working my way up within that organization from a sponsorship sales guy, to the president of the team, to overseeing multiple teams in that, you know with that ownership group. And then it really kind of took me on and off on my sports career. And just the way I got there, like I said, not traditional I didn't go to school for it. There were no programs back then. Um, I just kind of fell into it knowing that like, this is where I want to go, but how do I get there? And kind of scratched and clawed and fought my way to get the opportunity, and ever since then haven't looked back. Awesome, awesome. So, where have some of
0: those paths led you to? I know you spent some time with the Pittsburgh with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. Uh, I don't know if you have a Stanley Cup ring or not, but I've got if you do, I've you
2: got, got two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's that's a great question. So the career path was an interesting one, too, Um, because, you know, what I learned along the way is like, you know, baseball and hockey were my sports growing up and playing. So I got into the hockey world, you know, as I mentioned, and like I I thought I was a hockey guy at that particular point. Um, So then what I realized quickly is, you know, in the business of sports. And you know it really doesn't matter what's happening on the field, what the team is on the field, the business stays the same. You're selling merchandise, you're selling sponsorships, you're selling you know radio advertising, television advertising, you're selling tickets. and you know you're marketing the team. It's all kind of the business side of it is that's how I was able to translate you know from arena football or to arena football even and then from arena football to the NLL um, is because my job kind of is the same. Um, I'm not the, one, the guy playing on the field, so I don't have to you know, be athletic or play goalie or this or that. Um, mm-hmm. So I was able to kind of go and maneuver my way through all components, all aspects of, of, of professional sports. So from Saginaw, my first legitimate shot in the pros was I became a uh, sponsorship sales guy for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, interesting, interesting time frame then. It was pre-LeBron. It was way back when, when our claimant name was Sean Kemp. Uh, no offense to Sean Kemp, but, you know, he was at the tail end of his career back then. Um, and it was a tough, tough sale, but it got me into the pro sports and, you know, the big four. Um, and when I moved to Cleveland, I was, I, it really taught me to be a better sales guy uh, because I was up against the Browns when they came back. Um, you know, to to Cleveland. The Indians, they were in the playoffs year after year after year and selling Mm -hmm. out the stadium. So we had to do better and we had to kind of over-deliver. And it really taught me how to be a good salesperson. I blossomed, you know, with the Cavs, ended up going to the Tampa Bay Lightning for a couple of years, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays for a couple of years. Um, Then I went to um, a a company called Front Row Marketing, which is owned by uh, Comcast Spectacore, who owned the 76ers and the Flyers at that time. And I basically was... A guy that they would send into a new market when they were building a new arena, um, mm-hmm. and I would be the first guy on the ground and basically sell the naming rights and the suites and all the sponsorship and the pouring rights. Uh, so I would do all the high-level deals and basically travel around the country doing that. Um, mm-hmm. It was tremendous, you know, opportunity, you know, to travel and you know sell high-level items and really learn kind of the the business side of it a little bit more. Um, And then from there, I ended up uh, working with a company called Legends Global Sales, which owns the Cowboys and the Yankees. Uh, So I worked with the Cowboys and the Yankees and doing the same thing is going and and building their business up and selling high level naming rights deals um, and things like that. And then I got the opportunity um, to go work for the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, when they were going through a rough stretch. And uh, it's just networking and who you kind of know through the industry. I was able to be in the industry for about twenty years at that time, uh, networking my way around, and uh, just a, a guy that I knew very well said, "We need you know some high level energy, and we need somebody who can sell you know some high level inventory to come work with us in Pittsburgh or our, our hockey team." And at that time, it was like November. They just fired their coach. They weren't in a playoff position. Um, it was it was just like they they've been selling out for like 10 years straight. So they were in like kind of that moment of like, this is either going to go South or we got to keep it going. And they Mm -hmm. made a transition, hired uh, head coach, Mike Sullivan at the time. um, And, uh, and me, right. It was me. (laughs) And then uh, it changed. Like we went on a run. We won back-to-back Stanley cups, um, you know, in in back-to-back years. So I ended up getting two rings out of the deal, selling out everything that we had. It was a tremendous opportunity as a hockey guy, I truly loved it um and then you know at that point really it was the pinnacle it was like i've been working literally for 20 plus years in the industry and never like many teams yankees cowboys you name it i was everywhere Tampa bay lightning that race uh as i mentioned and never won a ring in any of those years 20 years then i won back to back and it was just like yes so it was an opportunity for me to (laughs) kind of sit back and go okay where do i want to go with my sports career and the opportunity to come back home i've been gone for 25 years plus uh, at that time, and it was an opportunity where the league reached out to me, the AFL, and said, hey, we're really trying to keep this thing going. It would really help if we had somebody that know- knows what they're doing. Uh, we're mm-hmm. putting them in Albany. Um, we think it's a good market. We love- They didn't even know I was from Albany um, <laughs> you know, the area. So I'm like, heck yeah. So it was a chance for me to kind of get back in full circle, and I was committed. Literally, I didn't know it, it was going to be in two years, thank goodness it was. But I was committed to like bring my skills and everything I've done over the 25 years back home, launch something in my backyard and walk away with a championship and bring that to my community. I was able to do that. And it was it was so much fun to do it in the way that we did it because we came out of the box hot. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the the demise of the AFL kind of had it. And then COVID kind of had the opportunity to kind of sit back and say, what is it? What's the next move? Mm-hmm. um and it kind of nll kind of fell in place because you know they were looking for a, a market and you know the tu center was looking for a tenant because at that time they didn't sign the nal team yet um so there was a lot kind of going on it was a chance for me to kind of come back home and and do you know this is where i want to be it's kind of like that full circle thing right like you come back home yeah. and I want, I want to stay back home now
0: yeah so do you I, i'm just kind of Going back – kind of rewinding back to what you mentioned about working in bigger bigger markets like St. Louis and Pittsburgh and New York and Dallas. Does that kind of – working in big cities, does it help you prepare to sell a team to a a smaller market, so to speak, like Albany, like the Albany Capital Region area?
2: Yeah, you know what? It it truly, where it helped me the most. I wouldn't say necessarily, Ryan, on the sales process because – I'll get to that in a second. But it was more of like bringing the professional, big-time approach to Albany – Because I truly believe that's what set the empire apart, um, you know, from some of the other organizations that didn't make it here in the past. And I'm not, you know, pointing anybody out specifically, but there's been a lot of, you know, teams that have come and gone through the years, you know, old AFL teams, old, uh, you know, hockey teams, um, other sports that have just come and gone through the years, NLL teams. Um, You know, and I think, I think for me, what I learned is, you know, there is a minor league level mentality and then there is a major league level mentality, and mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, you got to deal with budgets, and you know, the major league budgets a lot more than the minor league budgets, obviously. Um, but the, the attitude doesn't need to be, and I think that's what we ended up doing: is creating relationships, being in the community, and and even more so, um, running first class operations on and figuring out how to do that on the budget that you have. And I think that's really what I learned from the Yankees and the Cowboys and the you know all those high level teams, the Penguins. Um from a sales perspective, it's a lot different because, you know, I'm used to like literally selling naming rights deals for four million dollars a year. And then you, come, <laughs> you sell, you know, a program ad for five hundred dollars. And there's, you know, that variance is yeah. different, completely different from one market to the other. Um, so I had to adjust to that. And then, you know, the competition that's in the marketplace, too, like being in the Times Union Center, they have a sales team, the Sienna, um, you know, College has a, a sales team, so we're we're selling right out of the same building against each other. Uh, so how do you maneuver that? Um, so it's it's been really a, a fun new challenge, but that's kind of what I live for. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and speaking speaking of the Albany Empire, the OG Arena Football version, as uh, we we as I come to call it, uh, we we had the team in 2018, 2019, and what was the what, was. And you say having a winner helps. Um, It it certainly does. Um, The Albany Empire were certainly in the Arena Football League. Were certainly successful. Can you take me through like a a day to day operation? How does how does one uh, keeper, like yourself, your your president of the team, uh, build relationships with the coaches and build relationships with the players and help them to? How does how do you help them to understand the importance of being out in the community, being out in an local community and Bring in fans to have that to have a a great game day experience.
2: Yeah, it it was I I, I you know the empire the, the early empire days the first year, I, I I say it was the perfect storm. Um, a we had a bit of a history right, so the Firebirds were here, um yep. and and they did a you know pretty good job. They had they had some talent. Touchdown any ground for example. Yep. There's a lot of people who remember that. Uh, unfortunately when the second team came in, I think it was the conquest, uh, when they came in, they were always compared to that. So like selfishly for us, like the conquest bridged that gap a little bit. And I Mm. think, I think to my point earlier is like, maybe they didn't run it like, you know, a major league operation. They, they, they kind of did what they had to do to, you know, put a team out and get in place, but they weren't really actively involved in the community and they weren't well received. I think for some reason, whatever it was, I wasn't here, so I can't really pinpoint it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kind of knew that. Um, And when we got here, I think, again, I think it was the perfect storm. The, the um, personnel that we put together, both on the front office side and then um, on the, on the football operation side, Rob Keefe and Les Les Moss, like ridiculous, like talent, Um, Les Moss with guys on the field, the relationships, the players he built and put together Rob Keefe and his energy and his commitment to the community and just his personality. Like he, he was, he was tremendous. He was, he could be a sales guy himself and get out there and yeah. do everything right. He, <laughs> tremendous, like so that really helped the cause. Like I I could literally hand it over to Rob and he he knew what to do and say and not only promote his side but the business side and tickets and everything else. Um, so they it's just like those guys got it. Um, and that's what we look for is like people who get it, not like hey let's get on a budget and who are we going to hire and like let's just hire the cheapest coach that's out there. But they do that they don't know the business side. They don't have the relationships with the players. We had all of that. And and we literally put a team together in like a week. Um, it was yep. crazy the time frame because of the CBA and everything else that was going on. Um, but it was because Moss and Keith had all these relationships with players and knew where to go and get them and, you know, Tommy Grady and everything else. Um, so, you know, the, the football side to me was easy because I just let those guys go. And, you know, for me, my whole thing on both the football and, on the operations, on the sports side and on the business side is – give your people the tools they need to work with and and guide them coach them direct them but they have to have the tools they work that they needed to work with and if i would have held back you know budgets or this or that or now you can't do that you can't do this like i would have stifled them and i think it was just we had to do everything so fast because we started in december and we played in april and yeah. um so we had to get out there and like everybody would like rolled up their sleeves and was willing and my entire staff on the front office side were people right out of college that ended up, you know, going to sports marketing programs and this was their shot because think about it where else um, if if somebody's graduating U Albany, St. Rose, Siena, any other colleges around here with a sports management sport marketing degree like where do they go for practical experience like they have to go to Boston, New York, other other areas there's limited places around here that they can work we as the new team, had a front office staff that we were hiring for and internship programs I put together and everything else that we were giving people practical experience. So I had a great front office staff that was just willing to learn the business and roll their sleeves up. We actually promoted six people into the big four from our original staff um, into NFL, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the XFL, hockey. Um, so like, that's what I kind of realized is like, hey, we should be that organization then you know, work with all these colleges and give people practical experience so they're not just learning in the classroom, but they're coming right. to the organization working. So I really think, like, it really kind of, it was just a matter of, like, we had to hustle, we had to get out there, uh, and and selfishly, for me, I had something to prove. I was coming back to town. I wanted to put a winner together. Um, I was hearing a lot of the, you know, the social media, um which kills you if you if you focus in on that but i, yeah. I was getting a lot of bill never last," you know oh one and done and all that um or you know th- so i i was on a mission and you know unfortunately like their predictions came true but it was no fault of albany it was unfortunately the league i can't thank albany enough for supporting them like supporting us like they did uh people came out like they, they came out they they loved the party that we put together like i said we won so everybody loves a winner um but you know i think we gave back to the community and we showed if 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 we're gonna if you're gonna if we expect you to invest in us and and buy tickets and sponsorships and show up then we gotta give back to the community that we're part of and me being part of the community like i believe in that
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah and, and absolutely i i I, I think I, I mentioned this in a, a couple of episodes back. I had uh our friend Tom Gozlowski Gaz who now runs Gazilla Media. We talked about the importance of, of local sports in the area and how we as being in Albany have this kind of I wouldn't say Try, I'm trying. I'm trying to put this uh, as as kind of term as possible. But this small market mentality is like, oh, we're, no, no, sports are going to make it here. You know, we have no traditions here. It's like, yeah, we can make our own traditions. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's part of my movement with local sports matter. I is that I want, especially after post pandemic, we have to get out. We got to get out and support our teams. We got to make them. We got to make them feel that they're part of this community too. Yeah. So then, uh, and, and you put it, you just basically put the icing on the cake there, George with the uh, time with the empire and we'll get into the firewolves in just a moment. But unfortunately I got to, I got to pivot to this question and uh, there was so much hope after the, the arena bowl 32 2019 season, Albany caps a 10 and two season with an arena bowl championship. It was a great, I, I was there at the game uh, and it was just a great atmosphere and there's talk about expansion plans for the league and there's talk about uh there's just all this talk about uh, the league trending up and all of a sudden November comes around and
2: lucky land casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
0: lucky in line at the deli, I guess. I in my dentist's office. They declared bankruptcy and unfortunately they close. Uh talk about talk about that day, talk about the experience of their feelings of what what were you going through that when you heard that the arena football league was, was closing down?
2: Wow, probably uh right up there with one of the worst days of my career. Um mm. I, I, you know, from being behind the scenes at that point, I don't know if you remember Ryan, but um like at that point I was going to the league. Um so I yep. did two years with the empire. And then I was hired to go do best practices and launch all the teams as the league grew. So we were going in the right direction. We, you know, added in that third year, um, you know, Columbus was, you know, came in, um, we were looking at three, four other teams coming into the market on top of that uh, as mm-hmm. well. So we went from four to six and then we were looking to go from six to 10 and then from 10 to 14, we we're heading in that direction. And unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, some bad news hit with something that happened that was beyond any of our controls that were with the league at that time um, with a lawsuit with, you know, workman's comp, basically that, um, you know, just didn't pan out because we were trying to basically sell, you know, it's a single entity model, which means that the league owns the the, the, uh, the team. So we were looking for investors and it just nobody wanted to touch it at that point. So um, I don't want to say it was a blind side because we were working towards when you, when you start a league, when we like we did in 2019, 2018, yeah, yeah, four, te- yeah, four teams in the league. <laughs> like you know, yeah. like, you struggle and a challenge, and you got to keep going, right? So that was something yep. like we knew day to day, every day was you know like we. But I think we we did in Albany showed everybody, showed the world, like, listen, this could work. Like, this is Albany, New York. It's not Philadelphia. It's not Washington, DC, right? It's mm-hmm. look at these this market and they're killing it out there and they won a championship and they, they, you know, led the league in attendance and everything else. So, you know, for us, it was um, like, we're doing everything right. And then that hit and, you know, literally I had to basically let go of my entire staff. I ran three teams at that time, um, Philadelphia, Atlantic City, and Albany. And you know, yeah. there 40 people, they
0: were all part, they're all part of Trifecta, right? Trifecta,
2: which is the teams that we yep. technically ran, and I oversaw. but there was forty people I had to let go in one day, and that's like Oof. like that that was that was brutal, you know, and like yeah. I knew that you know i I was hanging around to handle the bankruptcy stuff, and then I was done. um, you know, so it was it was awful because I think we, you know a from that level of like the league, but b. Like, I knew, like, I had to now face Albany and say, when, you know, I was preaching every step of the way, no, this is going to be different. We're, you know, we're here for the long haul. And, you know, mm-hmm. I thought we were. And, you know, it, I, I say the most out of all this is it wasn't Albany that failed. It was the league that failed, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, we did our part. Uh, the fans and the community did their part, and I can't thank them enough. And that's why I, I heavily supported bringing the NLL team here is because I knew it could work. Um, you know, I, I've seen it. You know, if you bring the right product, you bring the right, you know, mentality and the right staff together, um, it could work. And, and you said it, COVID, right? So now, hopefully that's in the rearview mirror. Our season doesn't start until December. So it gave us, you know, some ample time to get things kind of rumbling. And uh, that's our goal is to, you know, put everything that we did back in the, the heyday of the Empire days, put am putting that in effect with the NLL team and uh, I expect the same results.
0: Yeah. Now, speaking of the National Lacrosse League, the NLL, the the announcement comes through that the 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 then New England Black Wolves are relocating to Albany, and they need somebody to, to, to run the office, to run operations. Who approaches you with the with the uh, with, with the position about coming in back to Albany and running a sports team at Albany?
2: So it kind of originated um, right when the AFL um, shut down. So back then the owners of the AFL, Albany and Trifecta Sports and Entertainment, which owned Philadelphia, Albany and Atlantic City, as we said, um, were local owners. They were George Hurst, Dan uh, Nolan and Ed Swire, all local guys. Um, And basically they never got into the Arena Football League because it was football. They got into it. Because they wanted to support the community and bring you know professional sports into the community uh, to fill that void, so I told them that I, I said, "Hey, listen, I if, if just because it was football, football wasn't the reason for our success. The reason for our success is everything we just talked about, right? Everything we did, the team, the perfect storm, you know, getting out to the community." I, t- I said, "I know I can do this with any sport if you give me the same opportunity." So they mm-hmm. had me, you know, go look at other opportunities that were out there. So I looked at everything. I looked at the NLL. I looked at uh, minor league hockey, junior hockey, indoor uh, soccer, uh, you name it. We looked at it um, and looked at every different opportunity to bring a team here. Um, So we were going down that path. So I started making relationships along the way with all the commissioners in those separate leagues. And I was bringing that information back to the the local owners at the time and to to take a look at, hey, let's go look at, you know, jumping in on another team. And they were willing to look at it. Um, Mm -hmm. COVID hit at that point and their businesses got affected. So they said, you know what, let's put this on ice. Um, we, we don't want to kind of go down. We got to focus on our own business, um, you know, at that point. So that kind of halted it. But the legwork that I did there kind of um, paid off because I got to know yeah. Nick, uh, who's the commissioner of the um, the National Lacrosse League. And then Nick basically called Bob Belger, the general manager of the Times Union Center, and said, hey, listen, we hear that market is good. We got a potential owner who's looking at separate markets. You know, we're thinking about looking at, at several markets that's gonna move a team. We're thinking about uh, moving, you know, Albany as one of those locations. And mm-hmm. immediately Bob, you know, did his job and sold Albany to him verbally, like you gotta look at this. But also, I think what put it over the edge was Bob said, If you're coming to Albany, you gotta hire George. He did it before he can hit this, hit the ground running do all this, so he connected the dots with with all that, with me, yep. Nick and the owners and everything, and kind of all, you know, we, they were looking at three other markets um, and they ended up choosing Albany because of the success the Empire had, um, the fact that I could be here and hit the ground running and I just did it. Um, so they knew that if they, ha- they would have went to Montreal or somewhere else, um, you know, they would have had to hire somebody, get that person acclimated, um, there's not too many other people that can, that just did what I did coming off the empire in that yeah. market. So it was kind of like, again, you know, kind of worked out for me. And,
0: and another reason I've, I've said to other people on other sh- on other podcasts or, or, or on other shows that one of the reasons why Albany was selected to, to, to be, uh, and a part of the NLL again is because of the explosion of the popularity of lacrosse in a- this yeah. area. You've got UAlbany lacrosse. They've been to, they've won a, they've been in the, the uh, NCAA tournament a bunch of times. They went to the final four a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. High school uh, it, uh, lacrosse is big. Niskiyuna, I know there's, they're one of the more successful programs in the area as well. Niskiyuna, Shandahoa, Saratoga. Yeah. Yeah. Is, was that a re- another reason why, Lacrosse came back, box basically box lacrosse came back to the area. The NLL was was that one of the reasons why the NLL was also sold on Albany as a potential as a place to play.
2: Yeah, I, I think that was the number one reason that Albany. Like if in, if you mentioned Albany to you know just an owner, I don't think they would have really given it the time of day um, without really doing their research to see if it was a hotbed for lacrosse, which it, it was. I think people know in the lacrosse world, you Albany is well known, so it kind of stands mm-hmm. out um so the the it's unbelievable i like I didn't even realize it i, I knew it was a, a hotbed and it was a you know up and coming uh sport and like that's where the kids are playing but to the level that I, that i've seen behind the scenes now i didn't realize that myself until i started getting you know with this ownership group and really digging in and um it it has been the difference if there is one thing you know the, the the thing about the empire when i was there is we had, you know, history, we started creating history, right? So year one, year two, then we were going into year three when they shut down. So I always had the opportunity to kind of look back and say, what could we do better? What are we, where are we missing the boat? What do we do good? Let's keep doing that. And, you know, the one thing that we didn't do very well there was really tapping into kind of junior football. And um, it just wasn't as big. I mean, football, it's football, it's big. But at the end of the day, the like the lacrosse associations, the community, it's, it's amazing how massive it is. And it reminds me as a hockey guy, it reminds me a lot of hockey and it's kind of it's niche sports. So they kind of stick together and they help mm-hmm. spread the word. Um, so it really is kind of a pretty cool community that's blossoming. And I think if you just now pay attention to it and you're walking down the street or driving down the street, you see kids with lacrosse sticks more than you ever have. Um, They can play in their backyard. They can play in a tennis court. They can play anywhere. Um, And now our focus is really kind of teaching the box game because in the United States, field is is huge. Um, In Canada, box is huge. And our goal is to teach that box game uh, because we think it's even more exciting than the field game because it's faster, it's physical, you're condensing the size faster, you know, with time clocks, shot clocks, that type of thing too. So um, what a great game. And it's, I think, like people like yourself and me, like who've grown up loving and playing sports all their lives, wishes it was popular back then because it would be a sport that I would have picked up. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and speaking of getting out in the community, what what are some things the Firewalls are doing right now? I, I know the season isn't starting just until December. The league just announced where you're going to play the first week, the first weekend of the year. You're going to be playing Firewalls will be playing in Toronto, well, Toronto slash Hamilton because yeah. they went moved out to Hamilton <laughs> for their right. home arena, uh, but. What are some things that the Firewolves are doing in the community right now to to help grow the game, help and also get the name of the Firewolves out there?
2: Yeah, that, that was the number one priority for me is like, hey, let's show the community that we're here for them. You know, we, we again, we want to be here for the long term. Um, so the, the first thing that we did is we started a foundation. Um, so we call it the uh, Albany Firewolves Foundation. Uh, our slogan is the pack gives back. Um, and our focus yeah. is to really grow the sport of lacrosse. And our, our number one priority is to really help underprivileged kids and families um, learn the game uh, by giving them equipment, um, giving them registration fees to tournaments and and learn to play programs. Uh, working with all the local associations uh, to do that um, and and really giving back. But we're also part of part of our foundation is to give back to the community as a whole. Our number one kind of cause is that you know growing the game and and helping kids play the game at an early age. My dream at this stage is that, you know, there's some kid out there at this stage who wants, you know, is totally into lacrosse, wants to play it, or maybe doesn't even know he wants to play it and just, you know, sees it and would like to play it. Um, But potentially, you know, they're helped by us because they didn't have the means to do so. Um, And then, you know, we give them registration fees and we give them um, equipment and we teach them the game. They fall in love with the game. And then we just started recently our junior Firewolves program, which basically Mm -hmm. consists of learn to play all the way up to a collegiate leagues in different age brackets. So it's several things, learn to play, develop your skills, learn by the pros, our players and our coaches. So think of this kid who may not have ever afforded to be able to afford to play. Uh, We give him the means to play. He plays, loves it, goes to our junior program, Gets recruited to U Albany, plays for U Albany, and then gets recruited from the NLL team. Like, how great of a story yeah. would that be to see that? Like, that can truly happen now. Like, we have now. Yeah. And by the way, our ownership group are there's two of our guys who are uh, majority stakeholders in the Premier Lacrosse League. So even you know we can recruit kids from U Albany and us to go play for them. So it, it's an amazing kind of now we give the grassroots program a whole new meaning. But that was my number one goal: was to get in the community teach the game, brand ourselves, get ourselves out there, learn by the pros, and then gives us these three, four, five months prior to December to let people know that we're here giving back and who we are. So it hopefully translates to people falling in love with the sport and coming to watch us play right in their backyard.
0: And speaking of the Premier Lacrosse League, uh, they're actually coming up to Albany uh, the second weekend of of August. Will the Firewolves be involved in some way of trying to get their name out there, trying to get, the, uh, trying to get people to, to – kind of focus in on the game of lacrosse? I mean, what, what kind of involvement does the Firewolves have?
2: Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, uh, several of our owners are major stakeholders in the Premier Lacrosse League. So it's very important to them um, that we are part of that. It's very important to me that we're part of that because uh we're one of the only stops in their tour. Um, so they play like a, a 12-week schedule and they go from, there's not like a home team for them. So it's not like, you know, the cannons are based out of Boston, for example. It's, a traveling team. They go from like, there's eight teams in the league and they travel from city to city showcasing their product. Um, And it's a pretty cool model. um, And it's really kind of picking up. So they happen to play in Albany. They played in Albany about four years ago and they sold out here. So Albany is a big market for lacrosse, as we mentioned. So they came back because of all that. Um, So as our owners own part of the PLL, uh, we partnered with the PLL and we're going to be a major sponsor of the games in Albany. So you'll see, uh, presence there of us. We're giving away tickets to the uh, leading up to the games um, during in their fan fest and they're basically uh, pregame. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, tents and radar guns and shoots, the shots, players mm-hmm. doing interviews. We have live remotes from several radio stations uh, being out there. So we're really going to support them. And in turn, they're promoting us as well. We have uh, three of our players play in the PLL uh, yep. as well. Um, so, you know, we promote them every week on our social media pages. Um, to you know, keep an eye on them, and they're some of the best guys in the league. Um, so it's been fun to kind of watch this all come around, and it just it further just really shows that the sport of lacrosse now is year-round with the NLL, and especially in Albany with the NLL uh, playing here December through April, and then when you have the PLL kind of making a tour stop here as well in August, it really lends well to this, the growth of the game.
0: Yeah, it's definitely got a growth game for sure in the area. I think I think it'll get people excited yeah. that. The firewall is going to be here in town. We're going to have National Lacrosse League back. We had it back in 2000, 2000, 2003. Uh, mixed results, unfortunately. Uh, but I think I think with the firewalls getting the hitting the ground running, uh, I think it's going to promote a lot of excitement for the team. Now, I do have one quick thing, quick quick question, and I'll let you go here, George. I, I Again, I want to thank you for your time this afternoon uh, in taking some time to talk about the Firewolves, about your career. And uh, I, I have a question from our friend, uh, Jeff Lovac. I had him on last week. We talked about the Firewolves. Never a little heard of Never heard of them? All right. <laughs> 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 but he asked a question I, I kind of want to, I, I, I guess you, you uh, kind of uh, taking it back to you, uh, the Firewalls recently rebranded their logo. Does that mean we're going to get a throwback night with the old logo? We'll have throwback jerseys with the old logo and and, and the new logo, or is it just going to be the <laughs> one logo for yeah. this new uh, for this new logo going forward?
2: Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jeff LeVac for for posing that. question <laughs> I love it. He's got his own platforms, doesn't he? Getting us that question on his own. I love it. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know and and thank you for bringing that up because it should be addressed but yeah you know we we came you know our brand um we told the story of our brand and we're pretty excited about kind of how that originated and it all originated from you know there we want to pay homage to the people that were here before us to the people who invented this sport which is mm-hmm. the native american community you know the albany attack paved their way when they came through here um you know so there is a foundation. Of you know, 100% lacrosse growing in this market. And we didn't want to just come and take advantage of that. We want to pay homage to that and kind of, you know go down that path. So mm-hmm. we put our, our, our brand together based around that, and it really originated from the Native Americans and the, this Albany kind of telling the story that, you know, Albany was called the fireplace for a while for the Native Native American community. Uh, because it's basically, think of, you know, just all the different towns and names that we have that, you know, uh, pay respect to that. But the fireplace, when you think of fire or when you think of a fireplace, um, really what happens is people gather around that, right? So it's a fireplace, you kind of, you know, bonfires, a fire pit, like people gather. And that's what we we love that and like gather around, COVID's done, Come back to our, you know, our, our den. The wolf mm-hmm. is like basically a majestic beast. It's like commands respect. It's alpha. Um, so we love that, you know, that part of it. And we we kind of took that from the attack. Their mascot was a wolf, so we kind of yeah. tied all this together. Uh, we created our original logo, um, and then when we created that logo, there were some some stakeholders in the business that looked at that and and basically said. Listen, I think we could do a little bit better because what we're trying to do is we don't want to come off as overly beasty. Um, you know, we don't want to come off as overly aggressive. We want to be friendly. Uh, we're a wolf, but we want to be kind of, you know, welcoming as well to, to mm-hmm. not the foe and the, the, the people who come to play us, but to our community. So we had a chance to go back and look at it. And there were different marketing things that I was doing that made a little bit more sense to kind of clean it up and go in a different direction. And one of the things we all agreed upon is like if you look at the NHL and you look at different leagues, that cater towards that Gen X, uh, Gen Y, Gen Z, all the, the right. If you look at what's happening there, like there's, they're creating something different every week. They're creating Mm -hmm. the neon look on, you know, certain dates and stuff like that. So we've, we've got exactly what you just said is like, we are going to bring back retro night and we are going to pay respect to the new England black wolves who we just moved the team from, who New England, those fans didn't want to see a team go. It was, unfortunately, right. it was a business decision, right? So we want to we want to welcome them back in. There were the Black Wolves, where the Fire Wolves? We want to welcome back the old attack, you know, fan base and and pay homage to that, you know, so we want to be able to go retro and do some fun things. Um, so you're going to see us spark it up even you know, like our, our signature, the AFL, the AFW, like we have different looks. Yep. Uh, we'll have a standard primary look, which is kind of what I'm wearing now and kind of what we just rolled out. But I think mm-hmm. we're going to see some creativity in merchandise and in, in different things that we do um, that will reflect well upon it. And I think people like kind of fun new stuff too. Uh, so we want to kind of constantly create that. It's a whole different world that consumes our sport now. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, the – the, you know, merchandise behind it and merchandising that you do around it. So that was our game plan coming into it. Nice.
0: Are we going to see some merchandise soon? Like shirts, jerseys, apparel, that kind of thing. Are we going to see that? Are we going to see that soon?
2: Yeah, literally uh, this week we've been focused on that uh, in our offices at the Times Union Center. It's going on right outside my office. We're putting up our displays. We've got Mm -hmm. a limited line right now. It's the stuff that we can do quick locally. T-shirts, dry fit shirts, some hats, uh, polo mm-hmm. shirts, like those will go on sale starting Monday of this upcoming week. Um, nice. we'll, we'll promote that um, coming at the end of the week here. Um, but then our full line will come out a little closer to the season with jerseys and everything else that you can get upon, you know, on top of that, um, you know, more of an extensive line. The bulk of our, our merchandise sales will be done online through Fanatics. Um, so you okay. can get online at any time. Obviously, we'll sell some merchandise here at our Times Union uh, um arena location in the building at our games of course uh but then we are going to have some satellite shops around the city precision lacrosse for example and latham is going to sell our merchandise i um, doing some uh having some conversations with the mall and cross gates and colony center uh, to carry some of our line uh so you'll start seeing at the very least you can get our our gear here at the times union center starting monday of next week and then our more extensive line will start breaking out here relatively soon
0: Excellent. Now I, I'm gonna, I, I'm definitely gonna rock some uh, some some uh, firewolves gear for sure. Uh, just to let you know, I take a three X in both shirt and jersey. <laughs> I got a broad shoulders, so
2: I got it. Right. You know, those, <laughs> those those three X's are hard to come by.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Just let me know when they're available. All you. right, so. We're gonna wrap things up here with this interview with George. Uh, George Manius again, he's a president of the Albany Firewolves. George, if they if people around the area or people who are also listening elsewhere wanna find out where the Albany what the Albany Firewolves are doing, what are some social media channels? Where could people find you if they have questions about the firewolves or, or sports management in general?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I thank you for, for saying that because first and foremost, if you want to know anything about the team uh, like anything in this day and age, head to our website or our social pages. Our website is www.albanyfirewolves.com. And then our social pages are all ALB Firewolves. Um, so follow us on you know all the major social pla- platforms. We, I think one of the things we, we do very well is our social media. Um, so we're constantly letting people know where we're at, where we're up to, what's going on, who our partners are, how to get tickets, how to get free stuff. We constantly are giving away tickets to games, uh t-shirts hats stuff like that uh because we want people walking around in this and people talking about us so we're doing all that stuff as we speak so highly suggest uh that you follow all of our social pages um and then you know i would i would say wide open anytime you want you know you can contact us all all of our contact information depending on who you want to talk to is on our website uh you know under the contact us page and, and feel free to give us a buzz. Come into the Times Union Center, see us personally. I'm always willing to talk sports and lacrosse, and you know what we do and how we do it. Uh, but I think you hit on something. Like I, like I'm at a point in my career where I want to get back and kind of groom. That's what I love to do now: groom the next crop. I was so proud that we sent six people, um, you know, from our previous staff to kind of their sports careers. I don't know if that would have happened if the Empire didn't exist. So for me, like that's my my new kind of mo and um, I'm doing special programs with interns uh, and internship programs with all the different colleges around here. So any college student that take that is taking sports management, sports marketing, journalism, uh, if I can help your cause and help you either network or get into it, or if you want to do practical internships and experience, come by, let us know, because we're looking for that. We want to develop the next crop. And like, I, I love the fact that there's certain people in my organization that want to stay here. They don't want to go to the Yankees or the Red Sox. They want to you know stay in their backyard and then bring something to their community so i'm always open for that so please contact us please follow us and we really appreciate everyone's support and their willingness to jump back in the pool with us
0: excellent all well, George, again, I want to thank you for your time. Best wishes to you and the Firewolves, and I'll definitely be there on opening night for home home night, whenever that is in December, but I'll keep my ear to the ground in terms of schedule. And I also understand that the uh, in the next couple of weeks, the NLL will have uh, U.S. broadcast rights. They'll release yeah. that too, so that's, yeah. that's some exciting times there.
2: Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. They, they just announced the TSN deal in Canada, so our team is international, yeah. Canadian teams and, and USA teams. So the next up is going to be announcing the uh, the USA deal, uh, which will come out probably in the next two weeks, Max. Uh, I think people will be excited about that. Um, we're going to announce on the heels of that a local TV deal, uh, so, so fans will be able to see all of our games home and away uh, on local television as well, local radio on ESPN, the team. Um, so You can watch, listen, and attend games all day long with us, but we want people to kind of consume it in the way that best – you know, fits them. Because as I mentioned, like most people are watching on their screens, you know, a lot of people don't attend games anymore, but we want to give them the ability to follow us regardless as all. the awesome.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, George Manias, thank you for your time. And I really do appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to talk to our our podcast, uh, podcast audience. And again, best wishes. And thanks again for joining us. You're more than welcome to come back anytime.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Anytime. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, George. Thank you.
0: Hello, dear listener. Before the episode resumes, I wanted to tell you about one of our sponsors here at Godzilla Media, and that is Mohawk Honda. Sure, every dealer wants your trade-in right now. There is a shortage of inventory in the market, so you trade it in and get money in your hands. Now what? They don't have anything for you to buy. At Mohawk Honda, not only will they give you top dollar for your trade-in, but they have acres and acres of inventory for you to choose from. They have the largest inventory of vehicles in the region, and that means you can choose the one that's right for you. Sure, some of their dealers talk about their values, but at Mohawk Honda, they would rather show you there. Value in selection, but most importantly, value in how you're treated at Mohawk Honda. Don't feel pressured into buying something from another dealer because that's the best they can do for you. Come to Mohawk Honda and buy the vehicle that you deserve. Their vast selection of certified pre-owned vehicles is guaranteed to fit your needs and your lifestyle, not the other way around. I can tell you from personal experience that this is so true, as last spring before the shutdown, I was helped out by Evan, one of their awesome sales team members, and he helped me pick out my certified pre-owned 2016 HRV that was the right price for me. This summer, selection is king and no one has more to choose from than Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And tell them that Ryan McCarthy from the No Credentials Required podcast sent you.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And welcome back. Again, I want to thank George Manius from the Albany Firewolves. Stop by and talk about about his career in sports management and also with his time with the Albany Firewolves and what they're doing in the community. After that interview, I was pretty excited for Firewolves and looking to see what they're gonna do in December when they debut at the Times Union Center. Check out their handles, check out their social media handles, check out their website, keep up on what they're doing during the summer, and again, watch out next week for, for merch. All right, let's do a quick summary of the Albany Empire's game against the Jersey Flight from last Saturday night. Before, but before I do that, I want to give shout-out to a team that we've shout out to on our social media accounts, uh, uh, Belly Up NCR on Twitter. Uh, however, I haven't really given them a full shout-out on the podcast, and that's the Tri-City Valley Cats. Uh, last year, they lost their affiliation with the Houston Astros, and they were forced to join a new league, and they joined the Frontier League, which is an independent league. And currently, they sit in first place in the Atlantic Division. With uh, they're currently 21 and 23, and they're they're just about a game in front of the, the New York Boulders and a game and a half in front of the Equipe Quebec. But uh, I just want to give a shout out to the Valley Cats. They started kind of slow. Uh, I think they won four games in their first 20, and they've come back and they've won 17. Uh, they, they've won 17 and changed. So, and it's been a bit of a slog for them, but. You know, throughout July, they've had a lot of games rained out, but uh, in the meantime, they've uh, they try to get some games in, and they've got a few more weeks. They got the time of August left. They have thirteen games in August they can check out at Joe Bruno Stadium over at the campus of Hudson Valley Community College, and they're putting things together. So hopefully, they'll be they'll be in first place at the end of the year, uh, go to the playoffs, and hopefully surprise some teams in the in the frontier in the Frontier League. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this Albany Empire Jersey Flight game. If you weren't there at the Times Union Center in Albany on Saturday night, this past Saturday night, you missed a good one. You missed a good one uh, in front of what what they said was three thousand eight hundred twenty five at Times Union Center, but sounded louder at times. Uh, the Empire they come back and they defeat the Jersey Flight fifty five forty eight. It started off pretty slow, and uh, Albany got to a slow off to a slow start. I think part of it was the two week layoff. Uh, they had some adjustments to make during the week with the return of Mo Ruffins. They also added a couple of uh, they also added a defensive back and a wide receiver. But they also had to release Derek Ross. Asked for his release, and he was released from the uh, from the Empire. So Albany tried was trying to find their stride. Unfortunately, they got to a slow start. They trailed 28-20 at halftime. Jersey's a, Jersey is a decent team. They have a good defense. They allow the least amount of passing yards in the NAL. And that was kind of proof positive with the, uh, with the, uh, with the final statistics that Tommy Grady had. He was only 18 of 32 for 171 yards. Threw six touchdowns through an interception as well. But the biggest factor turned out to be the Empire's defense. After surrendering 28 points in the first half, they only allowed six points in the third quarter. They had a goal line stand in the third quarter, and that kind of turned the things turned things around for the Empire in terms of defense. And the fourth quarter came around, and it all started with Jared Dangerfield catching a touchdown pass from Warren Smith. Uh, they had uh, the, the the flight. They had to do two point conversions for most of the night because their kicker. Their place kicker, uh, they didn't have one. <laughs> so they did not have a place kicker. Larry Beavers, the wide receiver, filled in for kickoffs. Uh, he did an okay job, but in the meantime, uh, they had no place kicker, place kicker to do extra points, so they had to go for two every time. So fourth quarter comes around, and then Albany goes on a 21 unanswered point, 21 unanswered points. Malachi Jones catches a 30 yard pass, and then Harold Brantley forces a fumble. Picked up by C.C. Brooks. He rumbles in two yards for the fumble recovery touchdown. The scoop score. Albany forces another turnover with uh, Dravius Wright getting an interception and turning at 41 yards. And on fourth down and goal, Philip Barnett goes on a crossing pattern and catches a two-yard touchdown pass from Tommy Grady. Empire go up by seven at that point. Jersey turns around. They score a touchdown in Albany with 30 seconds left in the game. Darius Prince, five-yard touchdown pass from Tommy Grady. They had a two-point conversion with Grady throwing to, to Malachi Jones for the two-point conversion to force the Flight to try to score a two-point conversion if they scored a touchdown. Flight tried to th- another Hail Mary. They, they successfully converted on a Hail Mary at the end of the second quarter. They tried it again and the uh, pass was bad away. So the Albany Empire, I wouldn't say escape with a 55-48 win, but for a while, it looked it, it, things looked kind of dire the Empire, but... uh, ...don't mean to do the running scheme there. But things look a little dire, but their defense stayed the day. Defense stayed the day. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. So, Patrick Macon, the uh, defensive lineman... ...he finished with four total tackles, three sacks. So we got the hat trick. Patrick with the hat trick of sacks. Yes, I meant to do the running scheme on purpose. (laughs) But he had the hat trick of sacks. Three sacks for a loss of 16 yards on Warren Smith... And he was actually awarded the Defensive Player of the Week in the NAL this week. So good on him. Gabe, Gabe Ostrow, he also had a sack. And Harold Brentley, as I mentioned before, he had the, 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 the sack that created a fumble. And that allowed CeCe Brooks to scoop and score the, the touchdown that tied the score for the Empire after the conversion. So Empire defense came to play. Uh, I, I kind of I noticed that there was a... Something was missing. From the offense, and that something was 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 Derrick Ross, and with his loss, I think they had to scramble to find somebody to play fullback. Uh, I know they were, the the flights the flights defensive line were trying; they were getting to Tommy Grady. They obviously, had, they had uh, they actually did have a sack, only well, the second sack that the Empire have allowed all season long. But one thing I noticed with the Jersey Flight is that they had guys dropping out left and right, I and mean, you you felt for the. I mean that team was the walking wounded. I remember talking to t- taking photos at the end of the in- one of the end zones, and Sean Daniels is talking to me. He's like, "Whoo, man, I <laughs> hope this game's over soon, man. I gotta keep, can't keep running up and down the field with my fat butt. <laughs> my fat butt can't keep running up and down for special teams. I'm like, dude, it's only 10:38 left. You'll be all right." <laughs> he ran down the field. I think he made a tackle, uh, but good for him. But, um, but no, I th- something was missing from the Albany offense, and they have to do something about it. So this week. Actually, it was announced, I think it was yesterday, um, this, is, this is Wednesday as I'm recording, they actually announced that Jeremy Richardson, who played on the Empire's Arena Bowl, Arena Bowl 32 winning team, he played linebacker most of the season, but he did make some appearances as a fullback. He was signed as a fullback to replace Derek Ross in his career. He had pretty decent numbers in his career as a as a running back. His best year came in 2016 when he ran had had 103 rushes for 321 yards, scored 20 touchdowns. So he has that ability to get things going as a as a uh, as a running back. And Albany also announced that they signed defensive back Varma who also played with the Empire back in 2018 in their first year. They announced that they signed him as well. So uh, Albany getting some much-needed help on at running back. And at defensive back. So the, the defense gets better with the addition of Varma Sani and the Empire solidifies their running game with Jeremy Richardson. Happy to see them back in town. They'll be back in uniform for, I, I suspect they'll be back in, unif- they'll be in uniform for this Saturday's game against the Columbus Lions, which is going to be a very pivotal game because. Right now, the Lions own the number one spot in the league, which is kind of weird. They're, they're basing they're, they're basing it not on head-to-head, but on point differential. And right now, the, the Lions and the Empire each have a 5-1 record, but Columbus has the advantage in point differential. And the Empire, up until last Saturday's game, were scoring about 67 points a game. And obviously, that dropped down, the 55 points scored, but... One of those one of those scores came on defense so that Albany has the best defensive scoring team in the league uh, they, they force the most turnovers they sack the quarterback the most times it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting game on Saturday. Uh, I personally can't wait to watch it on it'll, it'll be on YouTube because it's gonna be the game's gonna be in Columbus Georgia but I'll be watching it on YouTube I'll be uh, I guess I'll be cheering for the Empire. I might, I might do some, I might do some live tweeting during the game uh, is on the uh, no credentials required Twitter account, but uh, I might, they they try to do a live stream, a live stream party, a watch along party. So keep your eye on the social media account for that. Uh, But in the meantime, pivotal game this Saturday, then they have the home finale on July 31st against Jacksonville at the Times Union center. It'll be kind of a revenge game to avenge their one loss on the season to Jacksonville. And, if you ask anybody on the team, they played their worst game yet. They're looking to avenge that loss. So hopefully that win, a, a win next week and a win at the Times Union Center on July 31st means that the Empire will secure home field advantage for the playoffs. And this might be, they might be on their way to the uh, NAL championship when their first time in their, in their, in their first season, in the NAL and keep that momentum going into the next couple of seasons. So we'll see if they can uh, win their next two and wrap it up for the year and try to bring home a championship. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of No Credentials Required. Thank you again to George Manius from the Albany Firewolves, who was more than generous with his time, uh, talking about his career and the time his uh, new start with the Firewolves. Again, I'm looking forward to seeing some games coming up in December. And I also need to remind you about our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR. Facebook.com forward slash N C R And YouTube, just search for no credentials required. And speaking of YouTube, please go ahead and like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so that way you know when new videos are released. And on the podcast side, please like, share, and subscribe there too. Also leave a review. You You can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, and Podchaser. You can also subscribe on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks again for listening to No Credentials Required. As always, I'm your host, Ryan McCarthy, and we'll see you around the Mighty Five. One.
1: Music courtesy of Joseph McDade. Check him out on supporters' music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a Belly Up Sports Podcast Network production in association with Godzilla
0: Media. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name.
1: And we're still here.